Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And uh, today we're talking about Bad Neighbours, the Zac Efron, Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne, Dave Franco comedy. Guys, if you haven't seen the film, we will be spoiling it. So just a heads up, we always discuss these films on this podcast with spoilers in mind. If uh, you have any interest in telling us what films we should discuss for our 100th episode, it's coming up super fast. Guys, uh, we would love some feedback on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podme if you can. Lloyd, uh, we always talk about films we're looking forward to on this podcast. Uh, I've listed this one as one of the ones I was looking forward to, if based on nothing else, uh, the scene where they're impersonating Robert De Niro's. (laughs) I saw a still image of that where one of them was dressed as Taxi Driver De Niro. That was Zac Efron. One of them was dressed as uh, Meet the Parents De Niro. That was Dave Franco. And just off that image and knowing that this film... Like the plot of this film, I was very keen to see it. <laughs> I thought that that scene played excellently. Yeah, first that was of all. awesome. I love the You're Batman discussion. Cat. The Batman discussion. I'm Batman. You know, oh. Michael Keaton, man. No, I'm Batman. You know, I've had that discussion so many times. <laughs> and it's that slight generational age gap, like who is Batman to <laughs> yeah. you, kind of thing. I think we might have even had that discussion on this podcast. Absolutely, but- we've discussed Batman so many times. <laughs> I've got little brothers and stuff, and and maybe to them, Ben Affleck will be Batman. Oh, (laughs) gosh. Just to quickly sidetrack, you've obviously seen the pictures that have come out? Yeah, very interesting. I'm just not comfortable. Like, nothing against Ben Ben Affleck. I think he's fine. I just don't think Zack Snyder's up for the challenge for directing Batman. I just feel like it's going to be more of a uh, Batman film than a Superman film. Sure, yeah. And I feel a bit sorry for Henry Cavill. I know that Justice League is the next film they're going to do after this, but... Yeah, look, I feel a bit sorry for him. He's had one run as Superman. It wasn't that great. And now uh, he's going to have to play second fiddle to Batman. Well, yeah, it's like uh, in Lego, the Lego movie, how Batman just overshadowed Superman. <laughs> and that's the thing. Batman's a fantastic character like that. So that's what happens. Well, you can listen to us talk about Batman and Superman on other episodes of this podcast. We'll focus on bad neighbors in this one. Look, uh, I was hoping when I went in, those airbag jokes weren't the best thing from the trailer. I I had big um, issues with that because I was just constantly um, worried about the baby, what would happen to the baby. I I didn't like that sort of humor just because of the threat that the baby could be hurt. Um, I I just didn't like that. (laughs) And we talked about this last week with Godzilla when kids and babies and whatever are in in jeopardy, audiences hate that. You don't want to go to a movie and watch a baby die, you know what I mean? Uh, Unless it absolutely has something to do, like it's a big statement sort of thing. But if it's like, yeah, like Godzilla or or this movie, I I don't like it. Look, uh, when he tapped the cot to see if that had an airbag, that was pretty horrible. Yeah. That he thought, first of all, that that that's what they would do. You know, but the fact that he put they put it on a chair and then he exploded from the chair. What if the mother sat down to feed the child and she sat down on that chair? You know, it's just yep. like man, that's shocking. It should have just been one gag at his office, and that was it because that was hilarious. But then he went, "Oh, there's two more." I'm like, "Oh man." Them blowing up the other guy's chair as well was pretty funny. <laughs> um, that's it. That's, that that's all the gag should have been. That 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 scene there, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing as well, which bothered me, and I I didn't think about it until right towards the end of the film, was um, they're constantly trying to get rid of this fraternity, which makes sense. You know, that's what logical people want to do. They don't want to live next door to a fraternity that's all noisy. But they've got them on two strikes and a third strike and they're gone kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? So, 
they broke into their car to steal the airbags. I know you can't prove that that's them, but they did. Yeah. And then they broke into both his work and his home to set the airbags. Yep. Like, that's a strike right there. Yeah, that's right. It's also kind of like assault. Exactly, it is assault. You could call the cops on them on that one. The, yeah, the film so sort of bypasses that with that the comedic cop they cast in that. Like, he wouldn't say those lines to a complaint. Like, he wouldn't say, don't, the boy cried wolf, don't be calling me no more, and stuff like that. Like, he, he, he yeah. a cop wouldn't do that. It was just really unbelievable at that stage. Oh, look, you have to, it's a comedy. You yeah. have to suspend belief to a certain extent. But hopefully, it's not so much that you, you know, remember you're watching a film. Yes. You know, uh, takes you out of it. It took, yeah, it takes you out of it. Um, I watched this, uh, it was a completely full session. It was a late afternoon on a Sunday, and it was advanced screenings. So everyone was seeing it for the first time, obviously, um, but ahead of time, you know. Um, and look, starting a, a film like this with a sex scene is very funny. <laughs> In a way, you get kind of like, it's kind of like a knocked up sequel. Mm. Because you've got uh, Seth Rogen's character. He now has a baby. He now lives in the suburbs. He still smokes weed. You can't make a Seth Rogen movie without him smoking weed. Or the combination to that door being 420, which is, you know, weed (laughs) reference. And, um, yeah, look, Seth Rogen, he's fluctuated his weight again. He's, um, he was pretty thin for funny people. Do you recall that film? I haven't seen it. Adam Sandler? No, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah, Seth Rogen lost a lot of weight, and now he's putting weight back on. And, um, yeah, every now and then he just felt the need to take his shirt off in this film. It was pretty funny, because, I mean, obviously he's playing off... He's in much worse shape than, say, Zac Efron is. Yeah, kind of like how Will Farrell was doing that a lot in old school. And this movie had a lot of, like, old school-like comedy, of course. Yeah. Um, I was worried a bit that she had some kind of depression at the beginning of the film. Yep. Um postnatal kind of depression uh baby's been born she's got nothing to do she's constantly saying she's bored on the phone she's joking like ah can i go instead you know to work and stuff she has like a something wrong you know um undiagnosed kind of depression and in a way this film helps her kind of get over that because she's able to go out and do stuff Mm -hmm. it's never really mentioned because obviously it's a comedy but yeah interesting stuff (laughs) They uh, they have a, a joint file that they're going to blaze through together at work, which is pretty hilarious uh, <laughs> stuff. Um, he's Morgan from the Mindy Project in um, the guy who plays his friend, and uh, he pretty much has all these scene-stealing moments in the Mindy Project as well. I don't know that he's been anything before that, but um, he's a very funny actor. He friend. looks related to Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg. Okay, I didn't see that. <laughs> seems a little more goofy than that, but um, she felt so awkward in so many scenes. I know, it was almost un- uh, I unbelievable. Think I've noticed this a lot with actors in a Seth Rogen type movie because of that style of banter he has. Like that scene: "Should I get a gun? No, I shouldn't get a gun." You know, he has that style of banter, and I don't want to say um, it's a bad thing, but if you don't like that style of comedy, you're gonna you're not gonna like any of Seth Rogen films. Personally, I don't like it, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have that kind of. Obviously, it's come from improv, and they do probably numerous takes, and they get the best one. Cassavetes was doing it long before this. You know, Martin Scorsese does in a lot of his movies. 
in particular uh the wolf of wall street had a lot of moments like this but if you're not into that style of seth rogan comedy you know it's it's sort of like a like a long haul to get to the punchline of each scene you know that uh, you know what i mean and a lot of the actors i feel aren't comfortable with that style and De- and i like rose Byrne. i think she's a very beautiful actress with a lot of talent but yeah i, I sense she just wasn't like she was giving it her all but she just wasn't comfortable doing that kind of thing it's really seth rogan and his team like uh what we saw with the world's end they're very comfortable in that sort of um structure but a lot of actors i think struggle with it <laughs> yeah and then the world's end obviously we've discussed on this podcast too but you've you sort of found yeah she was out of her element um she's more of a dramatic actress do you like think... that style of of comedy the, the that band Look, I, my wife and i yeah we like it we laugh you yeah. know um I think I did enjoy The World's End more than this, even though I was looking forward to this more mm. than The World's End. It was sort of, I suppose, having so many more people in it kind of made it more interesting to me, having yeah. all the kind of cameos and everything. And, I mean, this film had some cameos. I don't know if you knew them, Lloyd. The uh, the flashbacks to the Toga Party, the invention of the Toga Party. Yep. That was uh, the band Incredibad. Oh, okay. Who were made up of um, Andy Samberg, who's uh, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's a Saturday Night Live guy. They, uh, you might know their songs. They've done um, "Dick in a Box." Yep. 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 <laughs> Jizz in my ones. pants. Yep. <laughs> yep. They're that. They're that band. Uh, I could refer to them as a band, but I think they mostly just sing. Sure. <laughs> um, and we had uh, Nick from New Girl uh, was the guy who did the Bootin Rally, as well. Yeah. Look, there was um, occasional cameos in this film that sort of made it interesting, but um, ultimately, it is. Seth Rogen versus Zac Efron. Yeah. I'd like to jump ahead for a moment and talk about something that I found a bit disturbing. Yep. The bit where Zac Efron comes to the door and he says, you know, uh, your daughter's going to be looking out the window and we're going to be looking right on back. Yeah, that's a very dark moment, isn't it? And the way he delivers it as well is frightening. Like, he's not sure of exactly what he's saying, but he wants full, you know, malicious intent sort of thing with behind those words. You know, he really wants to hurt him, and it's not them he's attacking. It's their. It's right where it hurts. It's his. It's his, It's their daughter. It's their. You know, it's woof, very uncomfortable. Yeah, I wish the film could decide what it wanted to do. Yeah, there, there is heart in this movie, which is what I like. There's a central piece in it, which is at the end, family, and they they become friends at the end. Um, Zac Efron and. Um, uh seth rogan and which is what i liked but yeah it it wasn't entirely sure which direction to go and it tried different pieces of that and different pieces of this you know definitely uh one more cameo i'll just mention uh the guy who plays ravi in the league he was the doctor um who said the hiv joke your baby has hiv Yep. He, uh, he's actually on a very funny podcast I'm not afraid to plug here it's called um, How Did This Get Made and it's about um, how terrible movies got made and basically they dissect some very awful films if, if you like that guy as an actor you probably enjoy his podcast as well <laughs> Lisa Kudrow got to cameo as the teacher as yep. well and it's sort of just good to see her post Friends I, like, I love the Australian accent of um, Rose Byrne and she was going, yeah, Dean, what kind of a name is that? No, she's <laughs> the Dean. Oh, oh, right, I get it. Well, what do you call him in Australia? Oh, Chancellor. No. That- <laughs> mm. Yeah. That, that, I feel like that scene could probably could have been cut. It was okay. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of kind of... Um, oh, there's heaps. Ad- heaps of those Additional scenes. rants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You know, I thought buying a gun probably wasn't a bad idea, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, considering how dangerous it got. Yeah. So when he says I should buy a gun and kill them, he went too far. But yeah. buying a gun itself maybe would have been okay. <laughs> anyway, when uh, he destroys the the water pipe and it pours into their um, basement, mm-hmm. and he goes, we can't just stand here with our dicks in our hands. <laughs> he goes, our dicks in our hands. <laughs> our dicks in our hands and they get to the point where they make cast molds of their dicks they basically make dildos of their frat house yeah that was pretty funny yeah it was hilarious but the fact they sold so many that they bought a hot tub with them (laughs) that was interesting yeah anyway um look the um the way that they decide to try and drive a wedge between Dave Franco, who's pretty funny, yep. James Franco's brother. Yeah, I usually and, don't like him, but he was actually okay in this. Yeah, well, he had that kind of the frat isn't forever attitude, which someone needed to have. Yeah, there's a sense of coming of age, which is what a lot of like, uh, maybe not Animal House, but yeah, a lot of the teen romance and teen comedy movies, uh, which we grew up with, um, had a lot of... I think um, Seth Rogen said in an interview that there was one and a half good frat movies and it was like Animal House and half of Old School. (laughs) I loved Old School. (laughs) Yeah, Old School's funny. Yeah, yeah. they go over and they're going to drive a wedge by the blonde girlfriend. um, You know, uh, Rose Byrne is able to accurately say that they're going to hook up and then a few minutes later they're going to go and have sex. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy for her to predict, but anyway... (laughs) Um, so she does, they do like a dance off, which is amusing. Um, with Zach Efron dance offing. Zach with, um, Efron would destroy Seth Rogen in, in a dance off. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, is that it's everything that happens is a popularity contest. If he says anything, everyone goes, oh, and yeah. like loves it because he's the leader of the frat and it's the frat full of people pledging. Yeah. And, you know, he can do no wrong. <laughs> Anyway, the, the, the deck um, is uh, stacked against uh, Throgan for sure. Yeah, but Rose Byrne uh, kisses both of them and then makes them kiss each other to force it to happen. <laughs> and my instinct there is that that's kind of like she just cheated on uh, Zach Efron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realize it's like a desperate times call for desperate measures situation, but I don't think I'd be cool with my wife doing that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It um, it sort of didn't quite land for me. But then you have that kind of insert shot of uh, Seth Rogen's face where he's like, whoa, like he's loving it. Yeah. So, yeah. It sounds like a lot of these characters were very unlikable to you. I guess. I I think we're supposed to relate to Seth Rogen and his wife, right? Mm-hmm. So mostly we're supposed to be on their side. But then the amount of times they sort of just walk over with a baby monitor that they never check just makes them kind of negligent parents. Sure. And I don't know, the amount of kind of effort that goes into this and logic, it defies logic that every single neighbour would be cool with it, you mm. know, that they could water the garden or whatever for some old neighbour and that she wouldn't care that they had huge noisy parties. Yeah. Because it showed them quickly doing shots of them getting the whole neighborhood on side yeah but i don't know that yeah i gotta defend uh zach efron for a second I, I like a lot of people pay him out but you know you gotta understand he's from the old school of acting like the triple threat where you had to sing dance and act 
and one of the probably the greatest actor of all time James Cagney was from that generation and I always saw Zac Efron as a throwback to that I don't think he's come up he's got a lot of talent but he just really has to push himself he's too boxed into that pretty boy role and I'd really like to see him just push more in the acting because he was in this really really brilliant movie me and Orson Welles which was amazing and he was by far the weakest link in the movie which is really disappointing because I was hoping that his game would come up with that movie and directed by Richard Linklater in this I think he's you know shaping up kind of but if he's going to keep doing like comedies like this I don't think that's going to shape him into the direction that I'd like to see him go obviously yeah this current era is money making and lady getting yeah he's in another comedy called that awkward moment and um in that one it's very similar he gets his shirt off a lot it's him having kind of casual sexual encounters with girls Mm. until he actually falls in love yeah and it reminds me of um matthew mcconaughey in that kind of era of time where he's just pre-mcconaughey that's an interesting comparison yeah definitely you know and he he will get there i think zach efron it's the one of those things where He's got to go through all these like romantic comedies and sure. get sick of them and realize that they're not credible, that they're just a dollar enterprise. But he's probably got the best base out of probably all of the new up-and-coming actors that are coming up because he's got the singing and dancing background. Like, oof, man, that's a heavy hand he's got, he's holding. Sure. And um, Zac Efron was in The Paperboy, which um, was an interesting film with Nicole Kidman as well. And uh, he would have... He was pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. The The thing is, as well, I mean, Brad Pitt went through this. He went through this kind of, he's pretty kind of thing. So yeah. he kept choosing roles like 12 Monkeys and things yeah, like that. Yeah, Brad way. Pitt's an exception because he f- went out of his way to push himself, you know, constantly. Um, either he had a great agent or he was just like, no, no, I really want to go in this direction, you know, particularly with his role in uh, 12 12 Monkeys, I thought that was amazing. I don't see Zac Efron selecting a role like that, though. Maybe he will one day. Maybe he will surprise us. <laughs> he just doesn't strike just... me as a movie fan as well. Like, I reckon if you were to mention Orson Welles... Oh, maybe he was in a movie about all about Orson Welles. But if you were to mention to him some film buff movies, I don't think he'd know it. He just strikes feel... me as that sort of guy. <laughs> I just think he's going to get there eventually. Yeah. I, I have some confidence in that. I mean, at this stage... He's not going to look like he does. It's exactly the point of this movie, too. He's not always going to look this young and pretty. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't get his shit together, he's going to be that guy who's standing outside of, what is it, Abercrombie and Fitch or whatever, uh, shirtless kind of model, like at the end of this film. Yeah. And if he doesn't... Like, he's not going to look like that forever. So he's got to, you know, confirm he has good acting chops and prove himself and, like, go for those kind of Oscar bait roles and those, you know, more gritty things that maybe his teenage girl audience don't really want to see you know he's got to win over more fans it's going to happen yeah what did you um what did you think of the ass juice recording glasses stuff (laughs) um ass juice he he had that scene where it showed him flashback remembering all the things that they'd done to him in the hazing yeah terrible (laughs) like i mean we in australia we've never joined a fraternity so like, you know, this doesn't exist, this concept to us, but it's obviously, we've seen it in movies and stuff. Yeah, I, I think we do have a sense of hazing, in particular with the army here, and I'm sure it goes on at particular unis, but yeah, as far as, because we've been to school all together, we've never seen that or, you know, known anyone who's been in it. Yeah, not something we have to experience, and as you know, 
especially through Dave Franco's character, that it's all temporary, you know, it's not all going to last. So, therefore, you know, this sort of thing is horrendous, really, because it's at this shaping time in their lives where, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you're kind of destroying people psychologically. Like, this flashback he has is like a Vietnam flashback, you know? (laughs) Kind of a turning point in the film, too, where... um, that everybody hurts is playing, I believe, REM. And this montage is just pretty bad, you know? It just. Yeah. Um, there's a bit too where they say somebody put his dick in your mouth when you were asleep, and he's like, <laughs> jokes on you, I wasn't asleep. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that pretty full on stuff. Like, some of it, the film was very funny, you know? Um, stuff where he's pushing a hedge from behind, and it looks like he's you know, having sex with the hedge sort of thing <laughs> from behind. Stuff like that is all in good fun. What, what, you know, what I got the even most fig- laughs? Most laughs for, from my cinema came from the airbags. <laughs> the fight scene um, for me, uh, when he fights, uh, the two fight scenes when Zac Efron confronts, um, uh, what's his name, his best friend over sleeping with his girlfriend, they grab each other's um, groin. And yeah. then Seth Rogen goes, is that how they fight now? <laughs> and then he focuses and then he gets an erection to, you know, gross him out and pull his hand away. And then the second fight scene when they're fighting at the door and they get the dildos out and it goes in his mouth. And it's, I love it how Zac Efron is constantly tensing up, like he's constantly getting fired up, going, Whoa! you know, and he picks up like a, a, a ball or something or a trophy. I, I don't know what he picks up, but he throws it and uh, Seth Rogen blocks with the trampoline and a bounces off hits him in the head and so yeah. he jumps on the trampoline to elbow him like a wwe and he hits the fan <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny oh my gosh it's what if, if that fight scene went on just a little bit longer i reckon it would have been one of the best fight scenes i've seen in a long time <laughs> and as well i mean you had them both saying i'm batman in that scene <laughs> which was hilarious that was the one takeaway that i think people will still quote from this film and as well that whole sequence where Dave Franco and uh, Zac Efron are saying bros before hoes and like then they say like 60 other rhymes, <laughs> you know. I couldn't remember any of them at the time. I was just enjoying the scene too much, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, at least Dave Franco's character as well said, you know, as a child of divorce, do you think we're going too far? You know, when he sort of felt like he was breaking up their marriage. Yeah. Well, um, my parents had a lovely upbringing, so I think it's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in two two weeks, it won't matter. You know, Zac Efron's stuck in the past. He has a tattoo of, like, whatever Delta Kappa mm. fraternity it is that they've joined. Um, just so interesting, I guess, to see, after looking forward to this film, the things that weren't executed correctly. Um, I think that they could have probably had a babysitter and i've thought about it and i think like michael Sarah could have played the babysitter <laughs> and the babysitter could have been really soft-spoken and been like the voice of reason and been like you know i, I don't mind looking after you, your daughter but do you think that you should really go over there i mean don't you have work in the morning yeah. and stuff like that and just kind of question their decisions and parenting and everything um having a babysitter would have added another cameo and would have also given you like less to worry about as they're not listening to the baby monitor and that they're over at this party you Mm. know what i mean yeah just having some kid that they pay and they obviously have money to pay a babysitter because they offer 
asked Jesus a thousand dollars kind of thing you know it would have been a sensible babysitter and you could have had Jonah Hill be the babysitter <laughs> because he's in a comedy inverted commas called The Sitter so where he's a terrible babysitter so that would have been like a double joke they could have made jokes about how have you even babysat before or whatever um you know you could have got extra jokes in there as well look um you even on this podcast have compared me to seth rogan lloyd and <laughs> so i mean i could relate to lots of things in this film they even had a girl baby just like me so <laughs> i um i was drawn to this concept i was drawn to the idea the whole time but look i, I like the firework in- that fired off in the cop's car as well and he's so disorientated he gets out calling for help and he fires his gun into the air <laughs> <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh, that was great. did you know who that guy was the, no. the police he was a comedian i'm not sure of his name okay. now but <laughs> the um the other thing i thought was okay was that the school logo had that bit of hebrew in it so it was <laughs> like a a wink <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, like gosh. i got you <laughs> um and when they did the celebrity impersonations when they were getting everyone to come to the party and it was like they were pretending to be different people and they were phoning up and being like hey i want you to come to this party <laughs> doing all their little impersonations oh you know when they're impersonating uh, robert de niro the guy's like i'm dressed as samuel jackson from jackie brown and he starts quoting from pulp fiction they're like oh you're not yeah. even getting your references right <laughs> um look the uh the huge final scene and whatever the dildo fight the firing of the cops that'll like it, it's a good ending it's yeah. it's just um a lot of the stuff in the film that annoyed me and the um the one thing which really really annoyed me lloyd was that at the start of this film they couldn't finish having sex because the baby was looking at them right mm-hmm. then later on they're too drunk to finish having sex you're given the impression that these couple cannot have sex <laughs> and then after all of this it shows them just lying in bed eating pizza. Yep. Right? They spend some time staring at Stella, their daughter, and they pretty much don't have sex again. And that really felt like something that it's almost as if they're deciding to live in a sexless marriage. Mm. Like, they don't resolve that issue. That's an issue from the very first scene. There's no release in that aspect. If you will, yeah. And you very easily could have had them have sex or just lying in bed um, for like... 10 seconds after having sex and just being like wow that was great now let's go look at Stella you know yeah and then they look at Stella for a while and then she makes some noise and they're just like (gasps) and they're really quiet and that's really funny and then they go back to bed and they're eating pizza right yeah that easily could have been inserted in there but inserted in there pardon me (laughs) um there was no uh sex scene in the film and yeah look that that didn't resolve it they uh, they needed to have that that final sex scene. It's so as I said. There's also that element that Zac Efron entering their life added that sense of excitement that they were missing from their everyday life. And now that they've sort of gone back to normal, I wish they would have zeroed in a little bit more on that. With the, like that event, yeah, it was horrible, but like he did bring about maybe made them get closer to each other. I don't know, just added something to their life. Like I, I wish they pushed that a little bit more. I think the idea was that they wanted to grow up, mm. right? They can't they can't both be Kevin James. One of them has to be the the wife of Kevin James kind of thing. Yeah. So they can't both be ridiculous. And they were being ridiculous during yeah. the film. So then 
at the end they're talking about brunch, coffee, containers for things. You know, it's like they've accepted adulthood and then they know what they're doing and whatever now, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, you know, they, they do have a cute baby. I mean, they did sort of focus on that cute baby quite a bit. They had the stellar calendar, you know, with Walter White, the Gatorade meth, <laughs> and uh, the Don Draper one they were going to do next. Yeah. But it did annoy me that they couldn't have had them have satisfying sex once, you know? <laughs> I was like, well, what is this? It's, it's great like, how you picked up on that. Yeah, there might, there's a sense of frustration definitely on that on their marriage just because they just haven't had that release and it's sort of, you know, they build it up and it's never paid off. Well, that's it. when they set up from the very first scene and having it come in again... Yeah. Um, a couple sort of, of times, yeah. Crea- it creates a theme, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you're watching a film, you're like, all right, these are the loose ends you want to see tied up and... Yeah, look. Recommend this <laughs> film for people to see? As I said, I think I enjoyed um, This Is The End more. Yeah. Um, ultimately, it was a bit longer than it should yes. should have been. And it's only 96 minutes. <laughs> I, I know. And I feel like the I'm Batman stuff was great. Yeah. It's it's more Zac Efron if you like him. It's more Seth Rogen if you like him. And, and I don't mind those two. So ultimately, I had a pretty good time. It was just that I think it could have used another another script rewrite yeah definitely i reckon cut out some of the banter um a little bit i know that's like the big card of uh seth rogan films i'm um, just cut trim a little bit of that but otherwise it was pretty fun pretty fun movie for me definitely so um it is now time for oh first off we um we'll be doing x-men days of future past next time guys uh, so check out that film and look out for that podcast as i said 100 episodes coming up for us on Podme if you can. Yeah, I think I'm up to um, date. I think I've seen all the X-Men movies now, so I'm ready to excellent. go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been anticipating this X-Men film for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I know so you really have. You're a big fan. <laughs> I'm very pumped for it. I'm hoping that I'm not disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping... Um, it's got to be awesome. Yeah. Bride Singer's back. Can't go wrong. <laughs> That's it. And speaking of X-Men, last week I gave Lloyd a quiz on, on Quiz Me If You Can, a new little segment we're doing. Uh, to test his X-Men knowledge, and uh, it's time for Quiz Me If You Can yet again. (coughs) Quiz Me If You Can this week will be all about the Ninja Turtles, Lloyd. Of course, we're looking forward to uh, Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film and whether or not them being aliens will destroy our childhood. (laughs) Here are ten multiple-choice questions for Lloyd uh, on the Ninja Turtles... And, uh, Lloyd, I'm hoping that you will do as well as last week. You got 7.5 out of 10, I believe. Let's see how you do on this Ninja Turtles quiz. Okay. Quiz me if you can. True or false? Jim Henson's Creature Workshop, famous for making the Muppets, made the turtle costumes used in the 1990 film. True. True is right. What is the name of the clan of ninjas featured in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Ah, uh, the foot? Correct. What is Splinter's real name? I got multiple choice for you here, Lloyd. Oh no! Is it A. Kenji Naruto, B. Hamato Yoshi, or C. Oroku Saki? Uh, depends which uh, th- thing you're going with, because I think in the cartoon series he was a man that turned into a rat, and in the movie um, it- it- he was just a rat, and the master was his trainer. Um, mm-hmm. And the and he died from Shredder, and the rat escaped, and then turned into from the mutation. So, are you going with the cartoon or the movie? Well, uh, I'll tell you. One of these names I've made up is one of them. 
was the name of the master of the rat and also the rat himself in two different versions. And one of them is Shredder's real name, so it's kind of like... It, uh, it's, I think it's B. Uh, just say the names again. Uh, Kenji Naruto. Yep. Hamato Yoshi. Yep. Oroku Saki. Hamato uh, uh, Yoshi, B. Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They get easier, don't worry. Or do that. <laughs> The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2007 full-length animated film featured which song as its lead track? I have haven't three seen it. <laughs> Here's your three options. You ready? <laughs> There's Turtle Power by Fall Out Boy, Man I Love Being a Turtle by My Chemical Romance, or Shell Shock by Gym Class Heroes. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I'll just say A. Unfortunately, it is Shell Shock by Gym Class Heroes. <laughs> All right, true or false, Lloyd? Shredder was voiced by James Earl Jones in the cartoons. Oh, wow. Um, I'll say false. It is false. Do you know who it is? No, no idea. James Avery uh, from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, wow. Okay. Did uh, seasons one to seven, and then... I can see that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) William E. Martin, Dorian Harewood, Jim Cummings, and Townsend Coleman were also uh, voices of Shredder. Okay, wow. All right, Lloyd, doing well. Four out of six, <laughs> uh, four out of five so far, is it? Yeah, I oh, think well, so. this is question six. Here we go. Ninja Turtles: The Next Mutation on Fox Kids ran from 1997 to 1998 and introduced a female turtle named what? I got three options for you. Ready? Venus de Milo. Mona Lisa or Cleopatra? I'm going to guess Mona Lisa just keeping in that Rembrandt, oh, that uh, Renaissance sort of period. Venus de Milo <laughs> was her name. Oh, it could have been, yeah, it could have been that one as well. <laughs> Which of the following is not the name of an episode in the cartoon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series, which ran from 1987 to 1996? You ready? I got four of them. Okay. One of them, not a name of an episode. A. The case of the killer pizzas. B. Four musket turtles. C. Polly want a pizza. Or D. Pizza nunchucks. Pizza nunchucks. I'll say C. Polly want a pizza. Yeah. That actually was the name <laughs> of an episode. Damn it. Season six, episode fourteen. <laughs> so so was four musket turtles, and so was the case of the killer pizzas. Pizza Nunchucks, Pizza Nunchucks was the one I made up. Damn it. (laughs) Which of the following, question eight, was not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle food tie-in? All right. Yep. A, McCain Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle frozen pizzas. B, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pizza pockets. Or C, Pizza Crunchabungas. I don't even know what Crunchabungas are. I'll say... C. Crunchabungas were actually pizza-flavoured corn snacks in the oh, shape no. of pizzas. They did exist as a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tie-in. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pizza pockets are just made up. Okay. <laughs> Two to go, Lloyd. In the Mirage comic series of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles during the mid-90s, April O'Neil became romantically involved with Casey Jones and the two of them eventually adopted a child. What was that child's name? I got three options for you. Destiny, Rain, or Shadow? Oh my gosh. Destiny, Rain, or Shadow? I'm going to say Shadow. 
And you were correct, sir. <laughs> and the final question. In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Lego, which of the following is an official Lego set? Got four options for you. Ready? Yep. Shredder's Lair Rescue. April O'Neil's Office. The Sewer Chase Playset. Or Splinter vs. the Mouses. Wow. So Can I hear those again? It's a Lego set that they release that you build... Yeah, that set it's like a set piece like a diorama you build it or yeah uh, okay. you get all the pieces and you build the little uh, little sequence a little scene with I several think, I Lego think it's characters. the first one so Shredder's Lair Rescue yeah April O'Neil's Office the Sewer Chase playset or Splinter vs. the Mouses Oof, I'll say the first one uh, Shredder Rescue and you got it right sir Shredder <laughs> Lair Rescue is correct Six out of ten today. Very nicely played. Yeah, two of those I'd never seen. <laughs> well, I don't know how much Lego you have, but um, <laughs> if you guys have some suggestions for Quiz Me If You Can quizzes that I will give to Lloyd, then uh, hit us up on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podme if you can. As I mentioned, X-Men will be our next one, and that will do us for today. Lloyd, bad neighbours. Awesome, Dave. Thanks, Eve. All the best, guys. <laughs>